Good morning, church. Glad to have you here today. I still haven't fixed my wobble for my children's sermon last time, so we'll get there up here. If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 18 as we get rolling today, as we look at God's Word. Um, I'm, I'm excited about uh, today as we walk through this passage of Scripture. I texted our deacon body out uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I said, really and truly, what this passage is, I think, is probably forms the foundation of one of the most, if not the most important messages on family and church that maybe I've, I've ever been a part of or given. And, and I, I remember walking through this over and over again and then emailed them quickly later on or texted them and said, hey, we're going to break it into two sermons um, because it really doesn't need to be glossed over. I think a lot of times we look at Exodus chapter 18, if you've grown up in church, as a study on leadership and management. And, and there's some great points in there, but I don't know that that's the most important thing in Scripture. Last week, if you weren't here, if you were with us, you'll remember we looked at verses 1 through 12, and we really looked at a relationship between Jethro and Moses, a father-in-law and a son-in-law, an elder and a younger and we're going to use these words elder and younger a lot today, and you can decide which one you go in. I find myself falling in both at times, you know, uh, in that, and that's okay. But as I walk through the word, I really want you to remember that last week we really focused on Moses, about how it's the role of someone who is younger, whether it's to a father-in-law, a parent, an, a, a believer in Christ, that, that it's, it's a responsibility for those who are of us who are younger to really bring honor to those who are older than us for the glory of God. We have a responsibility to have an honorable witness. We have a responsibility to have a caring direction towards them. We, we then looked at Moses and we said, you know what, Moses also, he looked for the opportunities to glorify God towards Jethro, towards his elders. He didn't, he didn't find a way out. He didn't look for a back door. He looked for chances to glorify God with his father-in-law, with his elders. And that's ours as well. We must take every opportunity to do that. And then finally, we saw a little bit of Jethro really saying, you know, if you're older, when you see God moving in someone that is younger, it's on you to celebrate what God is doing in them. And, and we looked at that, that picture, and that's a little bit different in a world that wants to divide us by generations because that's how influence and sales work and whatnot in our world. But the church is made to be different. And today we're going to focus on verses 13 all the way through the end in verse 27. And we're going to really look at now what the responsibility was on Jethro's shoulders or on the older generation. So those of us who would say we're part of that older generation— Right? And, and a rule of thumb is if you have gray hair anywhere on you, right? And you're over 40. Some of you are blessed early, right? Like you can, you can sneak up into both, right? But I want you to know this is a really important part because I think if we have a younger generation, if we have it on our mind to honor, and just so you know, we missed Sunday nights of worship, so we brought the crickets in to give you the feel. Today, So we just want you to feel welcome in that. Um, but we really want you to know there's responsibility on everyone, and it's not the same. It's not the same. 
But I believe wholeheartedly, if you and I as the church live out biblical community generationally, that it is a game changer for our life and for our families. And the reason I know is because I've seen it in my family. I've noticed something happen over the last 22 years of my life that I've really paid attention. And as Christian and I have gone back to our childhood, I would say something different has happened in the last 18 years that we've taken note of. Do you know in our story as children, there was probably more people who the world would consider elders who invested in our lives as children than there were people with tight skin and gray hair. When we were teenagers, some of our most influential people in our life were people who didn't have teenagers, who were older. When Christy and I moved into youth ministry and Ashley went into preschool for the first time, Christy had worked with preschoolers all her life and when we went in, it was those who were elders that made impressions on Ashley growing up and Connor early on. And then we noticed about 15, 18 years ago that, that the churches that we would visit started to have huddles. And the huddles looked like everybody else. Now life groups when I was a young adult, I remember we had an older couple and everybody else was young, but we had one couple that had their head on straight. Amen? But now all of our people just look and we seek that. If you look at church plants today, church plants are generationally focused. They're one generation, maybe two. If you look at dying churches, they're one generation, maybe two. There's not as many people who are elders in churches pouring into young families, children, and relationships. What happened? What happened in families where mom and dad used to be really involved, but all of a sudden when I got married, mom and dad feel like my children don't really want me unless they need me? What happened? There's conversations I've had around the church and I would tell you there's two conversations that I see going on. One is a heart conversation, and one is what's actually being communicated. And what I would let you know is I've seen this and heard this in our church, but I've seen it and heard it in churches all over over the last 15 years. Here's what the heart conversation says if you consider yourself part of the younger generation to the older generation. I wish you were here to pour into me. I wish you would share your wisdom. I wish you wouldn't hold back. I wish you would love me and my family where we are and help us grow and help me know the things I don't know. I want a relationship that makes a difference. I want you to impact my life like I see you impacting someone else's life. I want to get to know you better because although I don't know you, I see the reflection of Christ in you. But let me tell you the communication that's often said younger to older in words and actions. You just don't understand anymore. Times today are different than they used to be. Children are different than they used to be. I just don't trust you. I don't trust you long alone with my child for a very long time unless I am in the room. I don't trust you to do what I would like you to do. You're too old. I'm afraid 
let something like slip and unintentionally someone may get hurt you're in my way although I thought I wanted you here it's easier without you do you hear how different the heart conversation is than the words and action and that's generalizations but I hear the heart conversations I talk to younger generations but I hear the word conversations as I talk to the older generations and to what they're hearing from older generations to younger generations there's a heart conversation and, and we've gotten to be a part of that from the older generation the heart conversation is I would love to my grandchildren are so far away I would love to I know what it's like to struggle I wish I could I would, I would love the opportunity and I want it but I'll tell you what the word conversations the actions that are communicated sometimes it's just too frustrating it's just too much for me to handle I've done my time I'm afraid I just don't trust myself anymore I don't know that I have anything to give. What I want you to hear is what our heart communicates and what our action communicates. They're not the same. And I think that's a spiritual issue in the church that we're in today. As a parent of a 22-year-old and an 18-year-old, I want you to know the world I grew up in is not the same as the world I raised my children in, but the foundation is not any different of truth and God's word and love. But I sure thought my parents were dumb when I had kids and they were grandkids, amen? I am so grateful for those in my life that were the exception, that didn't succumb to their fear, that didn't fall into the hurt, that invested in Connor and Ashley when they had gray hair and their body hurt, but the fruit of what God was doing in my children made up for anything that they missed out on. My kids wouldn't be the same. What would church be like if we were a biblical family investing upward and downward in the way that God designed? Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. If you'll read with me, verse 13 and 14. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around and Moses from morning with, around Moses from morning until evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? I want to let you know, when I read this in preparation for this sermon a while back, like I read this and I laughed out loud because I thought, man, we were just having a moment. <laughs> Verses 1 through 12 was like, I'm so proud of you. God's moving in you. It's so great. I'm like Moses saying, this is what I wanted to hear. Like what encouragement. This is so good. Jethro is being changed. Remember, he's a priest Midianite. He's being changed by the power of God through my testimony. This is awesome. And then the next day, he says, hey, what are you doing? Like, oh, well, that was a moment. 
right? Have you ever felt like that? Like, man, I love being around people as long as they don't ask hard questions, as long as I don't have to articulate myself. If they'll just encourage me at every second of every way, that's what I want. I want you to know that's the message our world wants you to hear. That's what the, the enemy has planted in the garden to the news channels today is that encouragement means we agree 100% with you, and that's what I encourage you in. If you think this political candidate is not the second coming but close, me too. Well, we can be friends. If you think this is that, then we, we, we just, I just want to encourage you. That's not love. That's not even real encouragement. If your child has a fork and sticks in, about to stick it in the light socket, are you going to say, I don't want to hurt your feelings? Oh, what do you want to do, sweetheart? Okay, let's see what happens. No, that's not love. That's abuse. That's false encouragement. And I think a lot of times we think that's what we need to give to a younger generation. And as a younger generation, we really, that's all we want from the older generation. But Jethro, impacted by the, gospel, by the word of God, impacted by the testimony of what God's doing, does something very, very different. And I want you to hear this. And if you're a Jethro, if you're of the older generation, the next day, Moses sat to judge the people. The people stood around from morning till evening. Verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all he was doing for the people, he says, what is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Now, here's what I want you to catch if you're a Jethro. And one day you'll be a Jethro, so I want you to catch this, right? That seeking understanding before offering your wisdom, that actually honors God. Seeking understanding before offering your wisdom, that honors God, that builds bridges. Y'all, we love the word opinion, amen? Like, we love it. If you don't believe me, go to any social media. And opinion is measured in hearts, thumbs ups. It's measured in comments. We love opinions. We love giving opinions, amen? Does anyone... Does that not land with any of you guys? I know who's lying, right? We, we want to give our opinion. And, and in Jethro's world, in his life, he exemples a, a thing. He shows us something that's beautiful. Before he just shares his wisdom, he seeks to really understand what's going on. And that honors God. That builds bridges it's tough I can imagine Jethro seeing Moses killing himself neglecting his family and saying I know exactly what you're doing I don't even need to talk it out because I know I have figured it. have you ever been in this moment men especially right I don't need to talk to you about the problem because I already know the problem it is y-o-u amen like, as guys, we, we love this. We love just identify the problem, point it out. Let me tell you something. That doesn't bring glory to God. When Scripture says, be slow to speak, quick to listen, when you do those things, you end up being slow to being angry, 
The currency that runs popularity is anger, it's frustration, it's annoyance. And so here's what I want you to know. If you want to invest in the way God has called you in younger generations, and I would tell you as well, for younger generations to older ones, stop judging because you're saying I don't really care about you. Seek to understand. Seek to know, hey Moses, I'm so proud of you. But what are you doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around until evening? You see, Jethro resists the desire to be the change agent himself. And he practices something that's a biblical truth carried out in the New Testament. Paul writes it. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupting talk, that word corrupting means rotten. It means let nothing come out of your mouth that is rotten or causes rot or causes harm. You and I cannot do that if we aren't seeking to understand one another. We can't do it. And what kind of testimony would it be for God if you and I, as elder, as an elder generation, that we were known as people who listen to others because we love them, because we don't want to practice a worldly trait, we want to practice a godly trait. And we want our counsel to be wise. We want our counsel to be encouraging in a godly way. Do you know how many more doors would open for you and I to be used by God in those younger than us if we sit down and have a conversation? How would it be? I sat down next to the lead last night at a baseball game. And as we were talking, she had tattoos on her arm and they'd been there for a while. And they weren't tattoos that I would get. And I could have just said, mm, not for me. I know why people get those kinds of things. I'm out. But God's word's preaching to me. Are you going to seek wisdom or are you just going to just call the ball a ball? So 30 minutes of, of conversation and ministry and talking about the church and the word came. Because bridges are built when we honor God and we honor God when we are slow to speak, quick to listen because we care. Listen to verse 15 and 16 because this tells you how Moses received what Jethro said. And if you're a younger generation in this, you need to hear this. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a dispute, they come to me. And I decide between one person and another person, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Now you may read that and think, I don't get it. What am I listening for? It's what you don't hear. Moses doesn't say, get out of my business. 
Moses doesn't say, you have no idea how hard it is to lead this family. Moses doesn't say to Jethro, you are just visiting. This is my day-to-day job. Why are you being critical to me? Moses doesn't shut his ears off and create his rebuttal. He doesn't get upset and turn derogatory, and he doesn't shut down and say, I don't have time for this. I want you to know if you're a part of the younger generation and you can pick how wide that is. And I told you, I include myself in both. This is the go-to when someone asks us something questioning why we do what we do. And it's pretending. It's pretending that I've got things under control. It's pretending that I know what I'm doing when I don't know what tomorrow holds and I've never been there. It comes from a root of fear coated in the icing of pride. And that is not from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's what I want you to know, and I see it in Moses in his answer. Humility undergirds even the immaturity of every man and woman of God. Humility undergirds even our most immature. If you're an elder, you know this by now. You're not perfect, amen? Right, if you have gray hair, I have some. Would you, do you, if you know you're not perfect, would you say amen? Amen, it's a true statement. Don't pretend. There are areas of my life that I still need to mature in. I will not mature without humility. It won't happen. Pride, anger, frustration, those are all tools the enemy uses to keep you immature. But what does Moses do? He just says very plainly, very clearly, hey, that's a great question. Here's what I do. I'm I'm sure he's thinking, I don't even like how long my days are. People come to me to inquire of God. People come to me when they have a dispute and I have to make the decision and I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Moses resists the temptation to do what Proverbs 12, 15 says. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise man listens to the advice of others. Moses doesn't do that. He knows I'm overwhelmed. I'm not there. I'm not perfect yet. And he owns it. This is what I do. This is my world. I'm okay with it. And his honest, humble reply is met with wisdom that affirms and corrects. And this is the beauty of God's word. I kept finding myself in Ephesians. Ephesians 4 starts with this. I, therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, and patience. I believe wholeheartedly that Moses had on his heart that he just wanted to walk humbly with God. That he just, he didn't believe he was worthy. He just wanted to honor God. And it was humility that said, I I will share with you what's really going on versus trying to pretend that you're outdated and you don't know what to do. Because the secret is, everyone who's older than me was once 47 once, and you remember the thoughts in your brain. Everyone who's younger than me, I've been your age. I remember the thoughts in my brain. 
if there's one thing I wish I would have clothed myself in when I was younger, it is humility. If there's something I wish I will clothe myself in every day moving forward, it's humility. Because humility is what God uses to open doors in his people and build bridges where they've been torn down. Look at verse 17 and 18. We see the conversation start to unfold between Moses and Jethro. And by conversation, I just mean Jethro shows, I care about you, I have listened to you, and so now I want to speak truth to you. Verse 17 and 18. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. If you and the people with you will certainly well yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you, and you are not able to do it alone. You know what he didn't say? I knew it! I was right! I told you, honey. But you know what he also doesn't do? He doesn't say, I don't want to talk to you about where you're struggling. See, because here's what scripture says, that you and I, if we love someone and we are called by God, that we speak the truth and love and we give what we have to give. If you want to know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament under the banner of Christ, the Old Testament shows you the minimums that you are not able to keep on your own without Christ. And the New Testament shows that there are no limits to the generosity that exists in a believer's life in Christ. Amen? There's your defining difference. So here's what I want you to know. If you are in Christ Jesus, when you are speaking truth to someone else, but especially older to younger in a world that is pitting you against each other, here's what you know. It's okay to speak the truth in love and give what you have to give. And that's sacrifice. Jethro wasn't going to remain with Moses forever, so all he had to give was a father-in-law's loving advice and encouragement. That's all he could give. And if that's your role in your families, that may be all you can give, but make sure you give it to the glory of God. But if you're in this room and you call this area home, I want you to know you have more to give than that. What Jethro does is he says, listen, I'm not saying this to cut you down. I'm not here to say I thought so. I'm not here to say this is why your generation is going to destroy the country. He gives correction. And he shows concern. And he articulates, I know there's a problem. What an awesome thing. Let me take you back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 and 30 again. Let no corrupting cock come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up. Catch this, catch this, as fits the occasion. Do you know we do not speak the truth in love when we use an incident to bring up everything we don't like about someone? Amen? Has that ever happened to you? No. It never happens to pastors, right? So, man, pastor, uh, worship guy, he's an easy target, right? Man, I really loved that hymn today. It was so good. I mean, everything else you sing is horrible. I want to vomit, but the hymn is so good. 
we laugh because we know that's ridiculous, amen? We know that doesn't fit the occasion, that doesn't honor God, that's rotten talk to bring in my point at the right time. And I'm telling you, that is the primary tool of the world's conversations, of their vocabulary. That is not a tool of the Lord. So what Jethro does is he says, listen, I, I saw, I asked, you responded, so I want to tell you something. What you're doing is killing you, and it's killing the people around you. In love, what I want you to know is, I don't want that for you. I don't want you to feel alone. Moms, I want you to know that moms carry a different burden than anything else. But what we have seen in the last two decades of parenting is that guilt of what it looks like to be a mother has gone out of proportion. And no one knows how to stop it. Listen, there are plenty of people in this room that survived that journey, what has worked and what has not. And God has brought healing too. But it'll never happen if you don't need each other. It'll never happen if you don't speak the truth in love. And all you say is, they don't listen to me anymore. And what an awesome thing Jethro says. It's just not good. I'm not saying you're not good. I'm not saying you mean not good. I'm just saying it's not good. Listen to verse 19. Go in your Bible. Now obey my voice, and I will give you advice, and God be with you. And you'll present, represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. Just start at the first part. Now obey my voice. I will give you counsel, give you advice, and God be with you. What Jethro does is he says, I want you to know, I know you're struggling. I want to give you what I've got. And the first thing I want to give is glory to God. Like, even my counsel is going to be wrapped up in giving glory to God. If you listen to my advice and obey it, I'll give it to you and God be with you. Like it doesn't matter what I tell you. If God's not in it, it doesn't matter. You can do everything I say. If God's not in it, it's not gonna work. But if you listen to my counsel and you see that God is with you in it, when you obey it, it will be good for you. What would it be like if that's how we shared counsel? What would it be like if we didn't lean on our own understanding, but we lend on his? I think Moses would say, wow, I'm having an impact on my father-in-law. Look what's happening. I think Jethro would keep esteeming his son and this cycle of growth and encouragement and edification continues. Church, we have to anchor any advice that we give in the word of God. If you can't give wisdom and share wisdom that is not rooted in the truth of God, shut it. I'm old enough and I'm young enough to say it to both, I guess. Because no one needs our opinion, amen? What they need is Jesus. What they need is to say, when I was being a parent without Jesus at the helm, I felt like I see what you're feeling like now. And my question is not to be ugly. Are you really spending time with the Lord yourself? Are you really trying to do this on your own? If God's not with you, you're gonna stay where you're at. 
If you're going to give counsel, make sure it glorifies the Lord in the counsel. But it doesn't stop there. What I love that Jethro does next is he doesn't cut to the quick. This is what you need to fix to get better. Listen to what he says again, verse 19 and 20. Let's walk through it. Now obey my voice and I will give you advice and God be with you. You will represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. You will warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. I love this because it shows that Jethro really was listening because he reminds Moses of his calling and the importance of his calling as he pursues it. Do you remember what, what Moses said? He said, what do you do? He said, well, this is what I do. I represent the people before God. This is what I do. I bring their cases before God. I warn people. I teach them about the law of God. And you know what Jethro says? Keep going. That's what you were made to do. Do you know how great it feels when someone further down the line who may know you well or may not know you at all is used by the Lord to affirm the call that God has put on your heart. It is life-changing. Those need to be the prayers on your lips when you go to sleep at night so that they can be the words that come out of your mouth in the morning. Those are the words that God has called us to speak to one another. I'm listening to you. I'm here. And I want you to know, culture, it won't set you up for that. You have to want it. You have to pursue Christ enough into it. The culture is going to say, if you're this age, this is what your life's going to be like. If you're this age, it's going to be like. If you look like this, if you act like this, this is where you're going to be. It just wants to compartmentalize you. But that's not what Scripture says. Hebrews 10, 25, don't neglect meeting together. That's the habit of some. But instead, encourage each other all the more as you see the day draw near. How much better would it be when we are trying to work through difficult times with people who are younger or older than us if we stopped crafting our conversation or our rebuttal while they were speaking and we listened in order to edify God in their calling. I want you to know. Hmm. When Connor was in high school, he said, Dad, I felt God calling me to be a minister. My first thought was, I'm not sure I want that for you. I'd rather you be a volunteer and not take the shots I know are going to come your way. By the grace of God, the Lord smushed my fear into a humility before his call. And he used the mouths of people affirming to raise him into the young man he is and the minister God will call him to be. Hear me. If you're an older believer in Christ Jesus, 
listen so that you can speak life and affirm the call of generations that need to raise up men and women who are stronger and more mature at every age than you and I were. Amen? That is what the church needs. But that's not all. Listen to verse 21 through 23. Moreover, Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe. Place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they'll bring to you. After every small matter, they'll decide themselves so it will be easier for you. They'll bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people will go to their place in peace. Do you know this is the part of the story that everyone remembers, right? Why do we remember this part? Because it's the part where we get to correct a wrong. But I want you to know that helping being a tool of God, helping someone grow in an area of weakness, it takes investment. It means that you love them and you listen. It means that you speak the truth in love and you invest in whatever God's given you. It means that you affirm the call that God has put on their life. And you encourage them to pursue it. And only then, only then is the plate ready for the Lord to use you to correct an area where although their heart may be good, their direction is not right. Could you imagine if every church was filled with elder generations who were that intentional in honoring God in investing in younger generations? Man, it would be the most like heaven I think we could taste. And I know, I know what you're hearing, I know what you're saying, I know what you've heard. Younger generations, I want you to hear this. This is hard because what our world and our culture has cultivated is advice and investment by books and Bible studies that have a little bit of Bible and a lot of investment from someone you've never walked with. That will not do it. I know it's hard because there's a difference between what the heart has said and what the lips have spoken, and you can't go back. You can't unhear what you heard and you can't unfeel what you felt. But we serve a king who, while you and I were sinners, the bottom of the barrel and broken, dead to our sins. And he brought life. And if he can heal that insurmountable wound, then anything the enemy has used, any sin in your life to 
break down the bridges of God using you to invest in a way that honors him in younger generations, he can rebuild those with ease. I think the burden's on our shoulders. The burden on my shoulders, of my mom's shoulders when I was 22, getting married when I was 25 and we were having Ashley in our life, the burden on her shoulders was to love through what I didn't know and what I thought I did, the way she'd done her whole life. The same is true in the spiritual family. The burden's on your shoulders and my shoulders to be more and more mature, to take the step out even when the invitation's not there, to, to let the Lord overcome our fear so that generations will stand with the King of Kings and not say, I want nothing to do with the King of Kings if that's what his congregation looks like and that's how they talk to you. We don't want to be that place. But it starts with Christ and salvation. So this morning, an invitation, if you don't know Christ Jesus, you cannot be used by the Holy Spirit to raise up and disciple others. It can't happen because you need life yourself first. You cannot lead where you've gone, not gone. And so that begins with confessing your sin and allowing the word of the King of Kings and that truth to wash over your life and submitting your life in service to him. But maybe you're in this room and you have not one, you've not thought, you've forgotten your purpose. Maybe all of your ministry has always been upward and never downward. I'm telling you, our younger generation, we need you. We need your faith. We need you to persevere. We need to push past pride and humility into humility for the kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And today we come to you. Lord, just hearing and believing that he who began the good work in us will see it through to completion. And so, Father God, until we are complete, let us be workers in a field where there aren't many workers, but there's a lot of opportunity. Lord, let us be a church that reaches down and invests in lives for the kingdom and the glory of God in a way that brings you glory. Father God, for those of us who are younger, Lord, would you bathe our fear, our pride, our words in a humility that does not belong to us so that we might receive what is good and nourishing and life-giving, that we might be your church. We pray this all in the name of Jesus.